Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. copy of God's Word uh, as we continue our study in uh, uh, Ecclesia, the all about the church. We only have a few Sundays left in this series. Uh, coming up our last two Sundays next week and the Sunday after, uh, we're going to take a look at the issue of baptism. Why do we baptize? And then our final session uh, in this series, we're going to examine communion, uh, why it is we take communion as we took, take a look at all about the church. And we've uh, seen a lot thus far. We've seen the mission of the church. We've seen the people of the church. Uh, and today we are continuing. Uh, last week we spoke of the pastor of the church, the role the pastor plays. And today we're going to take a look at the deacons. The deacons' position is a very important position in the church. And so we want to take a look today at uh, three particular roles that the deacons of the church play in God's kingdom. And I'm really glad and very thankful for deacons. You know, I was really blessed. My grandpa Siesk was a pastor, but my grandpa Chilton was a deacon of his church at Hillsgrove Baptist Church for many years. And he was very influential in my life. And so I'm glad that God has given us both the role of pastor and deacons. And beloved, don't, don't buy into the hype that you hear a lot of people say. You know, you hear a lot of people say, well, pastors and deacons are always at one another. No, that's not the way it is. I'm, I'm glad to say I've been blessed by many a wonderful deacons in my life. And I'm blessed that God has given us the role of deacons. Uh, and, and so today as we take a look at this, we want to take a look at two passages of Scripture. Acts chapter 6 verses 1 through 7. We're going to look at the implementation uh, of, of the deacon position. We're going to see some very influential people. One particular man by the name of Stephen who was appointed as deacon. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 8 through 13, we're going to look at some uh, descriptions and uh, qualifications, some, some things that are expected of deacons just as it was of the pastor as well. So everyone who can and is able, we encourage you to please stand in honor of the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word as we start off in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Uh, Acts will actually be the subject of our next series. We're going to look through Acts from chapter 1 all the way through the end of the book, looking forward to a, what should be a fantastic series uh, there as well. 
Acts chapter 6 verses 1 through 7 says this. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Now aren't you glad to know that even in the earliest church there were sometimes complaints that, that rose up. But the thing about the early church, they weren't defined by the problems. They defined the problems and allowed the Holy Spirit to take care of it. So there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, uh, this being the apostles, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren... Seek out from among you seven men of, go of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. He goes on to say, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the, of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Proc we have a Philip ourselves here serving as deacon, and Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them, showing forth an ordination ceremony of sorts. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now let's flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 3, reading verses 8 through 13. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Once again, that's 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. And when you're there, let me hear you say amen. Now, we noticed we're continuing this week where we left off last week in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In verses 1 through 7, we see the qualifications of the pastor uh, now in verses 8 through 13, we see the qualifications of deacons. It says, likewise, deacons must be reverent. Now he's comparing this to the qualifications already given of the pastor. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, and let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves. Now look, we're going to look at this. There are rewards from God, deacons. There are rewards from God for being a deacon. Amen? God will bless you for doing this task. There's a rewards for doing this. For you have served well, for, for those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and a great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Your kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the way that you have developed your church and for the way that you have organized it so, so that we will not be in the midst of chaos, but we will be in the midst of organization bringing forth your word, being focused upon the delivery of your word to a lost and dying world. And Lord, this morning as we talk about the, the very important position of deacon, we just ask, Lord, that you allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken. Help me to speak with both clarity and boldness, proclaiming your word. And Lord, through it all, may we, may we ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that we will apply these things and be better for it. 
For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Many of you know that uh, for, I've, I've told many of you that for the past eight years, I have had a bit of digestive trouble. Uh, in fact, they've put me through the ringer trying to figure out what's going on with my digestive system. And, uh, and, and it comes about, out mainly to be, I have a lot of acid that builds on my stomach, so I have to be careful what I eat. I have to, and being a Baptist pastor, that's just unfair. I mean, being able to eat good meals goes along with the territory, and that's just not fair. But nonetheless, I do have to watch what I eat and uh, have to be careful with it. And, but uh, I've had issues with that and uh, even some issues with my immune system that's been troubling for me over the past eight years. It seems like uh, there are times where if there's something going around, I'll be one of the first ones to catch it. For some reason, stomach, the stomach bug is especially prone to me for whatever reason. However, last summer of uh, 2016, I had my wisdom teeth extracted. And it was not a very pleasant thing at all. But after I had my wisdom teeth extracted, I began noticing some bizarre things taking place. While I'm not completely healed of it, my digestive system has actually improved after having that done. And I noticed that my immune system has gotten better after having the wisdom teeth extracted. I don't know if there was bacteria setting up in there or if there was something going on, if it was poisoning my system or what it was. But it's really odd that I've noticed... This is very unusual. I've noticed that, that even my family, they, they got, had a bug going on a few months ago, and I didn't get it. And I'm like, how did that happen? Because <laughs> normally I'm the first one to get it, and I'll give it to them. But actually, it, it, went, it, it didn't happen that way this time. So I'm not saying that I'm completely healed of this, but I am saying that I think, in my opinion, that those wisdom teeth may have been poisoning my system. You see, with the human body, it's the way it is is that when things work together, you have a healthy system. Amen? When everything works together in cohesion, you have a healthy system. Beloved, the same is true of the church. God has given the role of pastor for a particular reason. God has given us the blessing of having deacons for a particular reason. And the reason we're talking about these roles as part, in part of this series is because when we as a church have a healthy understanding of what these roles are and they work together in cohesion, we have a healthy church. And guess what, beloved? Healthy churches grow. Amen? When you have the Spirit of Christ there and there's liberty in that place and there, there's love and compassion in that place, when people get a taste of that, they want to say, hey, I want some of that. I feel at home with this place. I want to come join in on the ministry of this. And when you have an organization that is healthy, that is set about doing the proper things according to the Word of God, you can be focused upon what God has called us to do. So let's take a look at the role of deacon. The, t the term deacon itself stems from the Greek term diakonos, which means servant. That's what it means. A deacon is a servant of the church. A deacon is a servant of the church. And so, so the deacon is focused on helping the church and serving the church. Now let me be the first to tell you, deacons, let me hear you say amen if you think this is true. Being a deacon is not always easy. Amen. <laughs> Let me try that again. Being a deacon is not always easy. Amen, it's not. Uh, but it is a blessed role, beloved. It is a blessed role and it's an honorable role upon which one is called. So today let's take a look at three roles that the biblical deacon plays uh, in the church of God. Number one, the biblical deacon 
holds the role of a working servant of the church. The deacon is working for the people of God. He's working uh, to, to help the church of God be the very best that it can be. Now, my grandpa always said, and I think he's absolutely right about this, that the best way to decipher between a pastor's role and a deacon's role is that a pastor takes care of the spiritual needs of the church and the deacons take care of the business needs of the church. And you know what? I think that's a good way to distinguish the two roles. Because if you take a look at the way this deacon position was first developed and first came about, we see that there arose a problem in the early church. There were two groups of people. Uh, this, the church was growing. I mean, man, it was like hotcakes. It was growing left and right. People were coming in like you wouldn't believe. The church was growing at an impeccable pace. And so, unbelievable pace. And so, as it came about, you had people coming in the church from different backgrounds. Now, you had, and I actually made the mistake of thinking that the Hebrew Christians were those who spoke Hebrew, and the Hellenist or Grecian uh, Christians were those who spoke Greek. Most likely, all of them spoke Greek and Hebrew. In fact, most of them were trilingual, speaking Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew. I mean, they were very intelligent people. But the culture was different. That's what it was. The Hebrew, the, Hebrew, the Hebrew Christians, they were devoted in keeping the law. They were devoted in keeping the ins and outs of the law, all the traditions of the past. And the, the Grecian or the Hellenistic Jews or Hellenistic Christians thought, you know, we're under the law of grace now. We shouldn't have to worry about circumcision. We shouldn't have to worry about all these rituals of the past. We're under a new law now. We're under the grace of God. You know, we shouldn't have to worry about that. Well, obviously, there became, unfortunately, two camps. And so what happened is the Hebrew, the, the, the uh, Grecian Christians, their widows were neglected uh, as the, the Hebrew Christians were looking after their widows. They failed to take care of the other widows who were, who were Grecian Christians there as well. So they came to the apostles who served as the pastor of the church at this time. And they were saying, listen, we need help. Our, our widows are suffering. We need help in this. So the disciples, they prayed about it, and they came up with a solution. They said, listen, our main priority is to prayer and preaching and teaching the Word of God. God has called us. This message isn't too important. We can't sit by and not preach and teach the Word of God. We must go out there preaching and telling people about Jesus. So I'll tell you what you do. You appoint seven individuals in the church who were godly men, who were godly individuals, and allow them to take care of the business needs to ensure that the widows are cared for, to ensure that these matters are taken care of. And beloved, by doing that, we see that the church grew even more because the people of the congregation had the care that they needed and people outside the congregation were hearing the message of truth coming to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Beloved, I, we have to understand that Christianity is not a lone wolf project. Amen? It's not something that we can do on our own. And I tell you as, as the pastor here, God has blessed me to be the pastor here, I, I have to tell you that I can't do the task on my own. We all together must come together unified in order to do the task together to be able to make this church what it's supposed to be and to bring the gospel out into a lost and dying community. You see, we are given these positions so that these positions can work together and to truly benefit the Lord's house and to truly benefit the message of Christ. For instance, I, I, had, uh, I moved my website over to a company called Bluehost. 
And this is it's a little more expensive than what I was paying for originally, but actually the cost by the time you count the podcast and by the time you count the website, uh, the ministry that God is using to reach people through the World Wide Web. Do people even say that anymore? World Wide Web, Internet, I don't know what you call it anymore. Uh, the t- titles change anymore. But anyhow, uh, p- reaching people for the cause of Christ. But the blessing about this, it comes about the same amount in the end, but the blessing about this is I have access to computer experts if something goes wrong with the website. And last week, Ashley was talking about the devil fighting. I posted a podcast that I had conducted with a man from Colorado on the occult. There were some weird things that happened with the website last week. In fact, every time I tried to upload the podcast, it would not go on. So I contacted them, and I spoke with a very kind gentleman who walked me through and showed me that there was something, don't know how it happened, but something in the inner workings uh, in some, one of the programs had switched where it wouldn't allow me to upload the podcast. He switched it up, he fixed it, and guess what? We got it out there. And people can hear the dangers of the occult now. And the devil was defeated in that whole perspective. But get this, that gentleman was looking over the website, he said, i got to let you know, my friend, I'm a Christian. And the more I see this, the more I see of your podcast or your articles, I think I'm going to start tuning into this and let other people know about this. So that just shows the, the glory of God, that, that he being the computer expert, I had no clue where to look for this. I had no clue where to look to, to fix this website. But praise God, he did. And so together, using our gifts and our talents and our abilities, we were able to defeat the devil, get the podcast out there, and let people know that the devil is a liar and the truth is not in him. Amen? So when we as a church come together, pulling together all of our gifts and all of our talents, beloved, the devil will be defeated. Let's not let the devil get the victory. Let's come together, working together, making this a healthy church, allowing the people outside outside of the church doors and inside the church doors as well to hear the gospel message. So the biblical deacon is a working deacon. Secondly, the biblical deacon... Is a, holds the role of a qualified servant of the church. There are expectations that the Lord has of the individual who is to fill the role as a deacon. Just as he has expectations of the pastor, he also has expectations of the one serving as deacon. We notice in Acts chapter 3, we see three different qualifications uh, that we're going to examine here today. Number one, the biblical deacon is morally qualified. Acts chapter three, verse. Uh, excuse me. Acts chapter six, verse three. He says, uh, "They say, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. Okay, good reputation, uh, individuals who have integrity." Uh, he goes on to say in First uh, Timothy chapter three, verse eight. Likewise, deacons must be reverent. Okay, they must be worthy of respect. They must be uh, reverent. Okay, and he goes on to say, not double-tongued, which means not hypocritical, uh, not given to much wine, not, not uh, uh, addicted to substances, but a sober mind is what he's saying, not greedy for money. All of these show moral qualifications that uh, the deacon must hold. Because understand this, beloved, that just as the pastor is a representative of the Lord and of the church, so is the deacon. The deacons are representatives of the church. They are representatives of the Lord. And beloved, when we can come together and we show ourselves to be individuals of great moral truth, then beloved people will be blessed. In fact, the last story I'm going to tell you today in this message shows the impact 
of individuals who were deacons, who were moral individuals, upright individuals of, of great spiritual integrity. And we'll leave you with that here in just a few moments. So the biblical deacon is to care for the widows of the church, for the sick and for the ailing. But they can't offer this, this care if there is no integrity. So biblical deacons must be morally qualified. Number two, biblical deacons must be spiritually qualified. Let's take a look at uh, Acts chapter 3, uh, verse... Uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying chapter 3. Chapter 6, verse 3, and the latter part of that. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Once again, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, they must be saved by the grace of God. You must have a person filling the role of a deacon, must be an individual who knows the grace of Almighty God, who's been transformed by His saving power. Amen? You must have someone filling the role who's been saved by the grace of God. Also, wisdom, which is given by the Holy Spirit of God as well. We see in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, that they also hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Now, what does this mean? Well, um, Leah and Griffin in their commentary says that this is to mean to have a clear conscience. A Christian leader must continue, give continual obedience to God's truth as revealed in Scripture as seen in 1 John 1, 7. Newt Larson adds that to hold truth, that this means to hold truth with a clear conscience was not only able to agree intellectually but volitionally as well. Intellect and mind must agree with life and purpose. Doctrine must penetrate to the person's will so that his conscience before God and others is blameless as he lives biblical truth in his daily life. Does this make a difference? Having individuals serving the church of spiritual integrity. Do you think it makes a difference? Absolutely, and I'll tell you why. Had a pleasure at one of the previous pastorates to uh, know a man, and you guys know who I'm talking about here, Junior Matthews, great man of God. He's a great man of God, I tell you. He served his country faithfully in World War II in the U.S. Army. I think he was in maybe the Battle of the Bull. I don't think that's right. It was another uh, uh, battle that happened in Germany. Nearly lost his life in that campaign. But he came back and he told me uh, just a few years, about a year before he passed, he said, Brian, I've got to tell you something that happened to me this past week. He said, I was going, I was going to one of my favorite restaurants if you ever in the East Bend area, Mount Olympus was one of his favorite restaurants over there on 67. And he said, i got to tell you something that happened. A lady came up to me, and she said, uh, she said to me, Junior, she said, do you remember what you were doing 50 years ago? And Junior says, well, I don't rightly uh, remember if I do. I don't think I do. He says, quite, to be quite honest with you, I don't really remember what I was doing last week, <laughs> much less 50 years ago. And she says, well, Junior, I'll tell you what you were doing. She said, you were teaching my Sunday school class. And she said, I want you to know that you made an impact in my life as you were serving the role of deacon and you were also a Sunday school teacher. And she said, I want you to know that you really blessed my heart. And he gave me some advice that I have taken with uh, very seriously from that point on. He said, Brian, I could have been doing anything that day, but I'm glad I was doing something that really mattered. He says, be careful what you do. Be careful where you go. Be careful what you say, because people don't forget. 
And I think that is great advice. Great advice given to us from a man who lived about 93, I think it was, and served the Lord for over 50 years in the role of a deacon. Deacons have a powerful influence. All of us have a powerful influence. And so it's imperative that we are all spiritually tested and mature before serving the role. And it's also important that we remain spiritual giants in the church. Lastly, the biblical deacon is familial, familially qualified. Uh, they're family individuals, and we've noticed this before, uh, to be a one-woman man, as the Bible says, faithfully, faithful uh, to his spouse, as, and also the pastor is to manage his household well, uh, and that is just to show the, the importance that he places upon his family. Deuteronomy 6 tells us the important, most important commandment of all, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but right after that, it tells us to train our children up in these ways. And that's true not only for the deacon, but for every single one of us that we do just that. Also, the biblical deacon, last but certainly not least, holds the, the role of a rewarded servant of the church. Deacons, I want to tell you something here today. If you serve the Lord faithfully, the Lord is going to bless you for it. Amen? He is going to bless you for it. And there's three different ways... That he will bless you. Number one, we see that the biblical deacon is rewarded by church growth. Look what happens in Acts chapter 6 verse 7. Then the word of God spread. When they, when they settled this matter, they didn't let this, this matter split them up. When they settled this matter and, and the men of God chosen to do the task served faithfully and the apostles were able to commit themselves to prayer and teaching and preaching of the word, look what happens. The word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. You had even priests who came in to become Christians after all of this took place. When we come together and faithfully serve the Lord the way we should, God will bless us by spiritual growth and numerical growth as well. And so this is just, it shows the importance of having a healthy church. The biblical deacon is also rewarded by a good standing. And this good standing in 1 Timothy 3.13 uh, shows us that this was an assurance of a good relationship or a good re reputation and respect from the church for a job well done. But most importantly, I believe this means that when our time comes and we stand before the Lord, what that means is we'll hear the words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Now welcome to the inheritance. Now yes, I know that comes with being a child of God. But I can't help think that when we accept these positions, these roles in the church, and we serve faithfully, that God will bless us for that. Deacons have a tough job, beloved. They really do. Amen? Deacons? It's tough. It's not an easy job. And folks, I just will tell you that if you think it's easy, you ought to try it for a little bit. I remember at a church one time, a person was complaining about the piano player. A piano player is playing too slow. And I looked at this guy and I said, can you play the piano? He says, no. I says, well, then you just need to hush because she's doing a fine job. Leave her alone. You know, if you can't play the piano, you have no room to talk about it. So uh, anyhow, uh, but, the, the, but the deacon has a tough position, and we need to pray for our deacons because, uh, honestly, you can ask them. There's a lot of stuff that happens, and, 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 and they have to be faithful to the church and faithful to God. But pray for our deacons that they would be the men of God that God has called them to be. And lastly, the biblical deacon is rewarded by great boldness now this doesn't mean that being a deacon or a pastor means that you don't have tact <laughs> amen francis <What> if... <laughs> 
That look she gave me, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't mean you don't have tact, uh, but what it means is you have boldness to stand up. <laughs> to stand up. I'll get through this in a minute. To stand up for what's right. Newt Larson in his commentary says, This may relate to a boldness that develops as a person faithfully follows Christ. It may also mean that people of such character and obedient leadership attain a confidence in their prayers and service as much as they uh, keep expanding their ministries. They grow closer to Christ. This is a worthwhile reward indeed. Beloved deacons and here, let me tell you today, you have a blessed position. The church has shown confidence in you by choosing you to serve in this church. The Lord has shown confidence in you and allowing you to serve in this role. So may we never as pastor, as deacons, and as servants of the King Most High, may, us, may we never take this position for granted, and may we serve faithfully as the Lord will reward us in due time. Let me close with this. Do biblical deacons make an impact in the church? What do you say? Do they make an impact in the church? Absolutely they do. To give you an example of how a biblical deacon can make a great impact in the church, there's a story that's told, it's a true story, that happened where a young, I, they termed it, I don't know if this is the right term or not, ragamuffin is how they termed it, I don't know if that's the right term to use or not, but a young man who came in, he was unkept, he was dirty, and he stunk, <laughs> to make matters worse. Uh, you know, there's something about body odor, it makes people just kind of, you know, but anyhow, the man was dirty, he was unkept, and he stunk. And he came down the aisle, and you can almost see this happening. He came down the aisle of the church, and he tried to sit in the pew, and everybody kind of scooted over so he couldn't get in the pew. He tried this for several, coming down several aisles, people would do that. And he finally sat on the floor next to one of the front pews. And everybody was looking, they had their nose stuck up, saying, oh man, what in the world is this guy's problem? Coming to church looking like that, and he stinks. Well, uh, to, to make matters worse, well, this good, godly, faithful deacon, he had been serving the church for many years. He was highly respected in the church. You know what he did? He saw what was taking place. So he sat back, probably where Bob Deal is. He, he, he sat back in a position like that. So he stood up. You know what he did? He stood up. He was an elderly man. He stood up. Not Bob Deal isn't elderly. I'm saying this deacon was. The, uh, this, this guy came down, and he, uh, he came all the way down, and he saw where that man was. And he sat on the floor with that young man. He shook his hand. He put his arm around the young man and made friends with this individual. And I'm going to tell you the whole church was convicted that day of how they acted towards this young man. That, that man became a faithful member of that church, served the Lord many years, all because of the faithful dedication of that one spiritual giant who was a biblical deacon in his church. Deacons, we're praying for you. Amen, church? Church, we need to pray for our deacons. We need to support our deacons. It's easy to say, well, I wish they would do this or I wish they would do that. We'll understand, as Ashley was saying, we don't always have all the facts. <laughs> and, and so we need to pray for our deacons. I ask that you would pray for me as a pastor, uh, that, that God would use me for his glory and for his honor. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. If you don't believe me, you can go ask Jennifer and she'll tell you right quickly that I'm not. But uh, and she's shaking her head right now. But anyone who serves in the role of the church, whether it be a deacon or whether it be a pastor or whether it be a Sunday school teacher or whether whatever the case may be, whether it be a youth leader or Ashley who leads us in wonderful songs Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and is that an easy job? Absolutely not. 
Uh, absolutely not. So pray for Ashley. Pray for everyone. Pray for Teresa, who does a wonderful job keeping her books. You wouldn't want me doing that either, uh, or there'd be all kind of crazy stuff going on. Trust me. Thankfully, we have people serving, stepping up to the plate. And we need to pray for one another. It's easy to criticize, but it takes a real man and woman of God to uplift the pastor, to uplift the deacons, to uplift those who are serving. And my prayer is that we would become a healthy church. Whether God decides to grow us by the thousands or whether he just gives us a handful more, it doesn't matter. As long as we make an impact in this community for his glory, that's the most important thing. And my prayer is that we would be a healthy church, that we would pray for one another, that we would build one another up in his glory and for his kingdom. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never, first of all, received Christ as your Lord and Savior, may I encourage you today to make that decision today, make that faith commitment today to come down and receive him before it's eternally too late. If you're here today and maybe maybe you'd like to join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church we encourage you to come and do likewise. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and mind this morning, we would just ask that you would come and respond according to the Holy Spirit's leadership. Your kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this church. We thank you so much for each and every person in this church. We thank you, Lord, for the positions that you have given us to serve as pastor and as, and as of deacons. For, for the Sunday school leaders, for the, the treasurers, for the music directors, and for, for our, our, our youth leaders and children leaders, for all of those who come together bringing their gifts and their talents to your table. We pray even right now a special blessing upon each and every one who works for you and for your honor, for your glory. We ask, Lord, that you would build unity in this church, that you would allow us to come together praying for one another, loving one another, as you instructed us to do 2,000 years ago. And we pray for this church that it would be used for your honor and for your glory, that we would reach individuals outside of this church, letting them know of the gospel truth, whether it be through what we do through the ministry online, or whether it be through one-on-one contact. We ask, Lord, that you would use us for your honor and for your glory. And Lord, we would ask not only that this would be true of Huntsville Baptist Church, but this would also be true of the churches in Yakin County, that this would also be true of the churches in North Carolina, in the United States of America, and all across the world, that you would use your church for your honor, for your glory, because we understand that this is not a lone wolf project. We can only do this by being empowered of your Holy Spirit being guided by your Holy Spirit and directed by you. So we thank you, Lord, for this time of worshiping you today. We ask that you would lead, guide, and direct us in this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. Would you please stand as we sing our final selection?
So it is a joy and privilege to be in. The Bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights are reserved. The views expressed by guests on the podcast are of those expressing them and may not represent those of the host Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The theme played on the podcast is the song Epic and is produced royalty-free by Bensound Studios, found at bensound.com. Visit bellatorchristie.com and subscribe by entering your email to receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox absolutely free. This podcast can also be found on several podcatchers, including iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We thank you for joining us today. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. (laughs) 